0: Hey, uh, my name's John. Uh, if we haven't met yet, uh, I just want to say, hey, uh, out back in, in in a few minutes, uh, I'll be out uh, in the parking lot in the grass celebrating. If we haven't met, just come up and say, hey, uh, we haven't met yet. So uh, I wanted you said to meet. So we're meeting. Uh, so I'd love to say hey to you if, we, if you haven't uh, said hey yet. Uh, my name is also Kelly's husband. So uh, that's what's on my name tag today. Uh, I know... Uh, where I stand. Uh, I know how to have a happy life. That's a happy wife. And so I am Kelly's husband. So uh, I hope you have your name tags on today. So when I see you, I'll, I'll look really good. And I'll be like, hey, Emma, what's up? And Emma was like, oh my gosh, you remembered my name? And I was like, no, nah, girl, I just saw your name tag. <laughs> so hey. Emma's sitting right here, that's fine. I know. Uh, so um, this, uh, this is an incredible day, uh, all of us gathering together for one service, uh, watching the street get backed up with cars, uh, watching the off-ramp on 275 get backed up. Like it was a good day, like the people of God were like, we're going to church all together at the same time. Like I just want to praise God for all of you remembering 10 o'clock and for coming together. So uh, praise God for that. Uh, th- this, uh, this day is about celebration, and we are celebrating what God has been doing uh, in his people and through his people and with his people, uh, whether that was through baptism or recommitment or just what he's doing through you in your life. Uh, this whole teaching series has been called Homecoming, and, and, and we've been looking at a story in the Bible about a God who is just just screaming, saying, come home and welcome home. He's screaming with outstretched arms, yelling, welcome home. Welcome home to the lost and the lonely. Uh, welcome home uh, to the found who've been frustrated. Uh, this story shows us the heart of the Father, a Father that is relentlessly beckoning us. To come home, would you, would you just lay down maybe the things that you were trying to find your home in and just find your home in me? He says, If you make your home in me, I will make my home in you. And, and so we've been celebrating. Uh, I, I got some notes that, that I'm, I'm reading from just so you know, like, but these notes are cool. Uh, this past uh, month, We've had people that uh, made the decision to come home through baptism, and and we've had stories. It's really fun when when you're in the water or in your back in a hallway and you're talking to people and you're wondering like why are you getting baptized or what's your story and you're and you're listening. Like we had people that were that were baptized that they came home like this was their first time here like ever and they're just like I, I need to come home to Jesus and like I, that's incredible, right? We had people that um this was their first time in church in over 10 years, and they heard the call, and they said, I'm coming home to Jesus. Um, We had a son who wanted to come home and be baptized, and then his mom actually was watching her son, and the mom had never made a decision, uh, you know, on her own. She never made the personal decision to be baptized, and so the mom followed the son into the water, and so that was, yeah, praise God. We, we had another story. Uh, they, they had given up on religion. And how many people have given up on religion? I have. Let's just call that out. Uh, I have. Uh, but they also were starting to give up on the church and give up on Jesus just in general the church. Uh, But because of friends' invitations, uh, they came to Whitewater and and they started to experience something new happening in their heart. And that day, that Sunday, they made the decision to come home to the Father and they were baptized. Um, uh, And then uh, last week, um, last week we did a recommitment Sunday where we we uh, we invited people that maybe you've you've made the decision to follow Jesus but you've kind of strayed. You know how we do. You know we kind of like veer off the track. We get distracted or derailed, and so it was time to recommit. And so uh, these stories are are just as awesome, if not more so. Like uh, this one is it says uh, a friend of one of our staff members. I'm not saying names, you know, because so glory to God, not to people. And so a friend of one of our staff members. Uh, Uh, Claimed that there was no God back in July, just a few months ago. But through the invitation of our team member, they started attending Whitewater the last few weeks and then something happened to them on recommitment Sunday and they stood up and they made a decision to stand with God and God moved in them and they responded and that day they stood with God. That's a praise God. I went from not believing in God to I stand with God. That's that. That's yeah, that's him. That's the spirit working and a man work. Uh, then another story was, was God uh, says that God has been at work in this young man's heart over the last year and doing some amazing things. And the way he described it was that Jesus was his savior, but not his Lord. That's a big, big difference, right? Savior, but is he actually Lord of your life and, and, This young man said he had a change of heart, and he started to allow God to show up in his everyday life, but he hadn't had, quote, his moment yet, right? We all kind of want that moment to make a stand, a public declaration of our faith. And so last Sunday, he heard the invitation to recommit, and so he stood and publicly expressed, I stand with God as my Lord. I bow to King Jesus. Praise God. And then uh, another one, a mom and a daughter. Uh, th- this one makes my heart hurt and happy all at the same time. Uh, a mom and daughter, they had been burned by their last church. There's nothing worse than church hurt. Amen. Some of you are here uh, trying to recover from church hurt. I've had church hurt. It, it is a deep, deep wound. And so they had been burned by their last church, which caused them to walk away from the church and from God for a season. They felt unwelcome, and they felt unlovable and frustrated. And then through a series of events, you know how God does, they ended up at Whitewater for the first time last Sunday. And they felt super welcomed. Well done, guest experience team. Well done. They felt super welcomed. And they felt convicted by the Holy Spirit that it was time for them to come home. And so they stood. So, uh, listen, I want to just take a moment. Uh, If you are here and you made a decision to come back home and you were baptized in the last year, all right, the last 12 months, if you made a decision to be baptized, would you stand right now? Come on, y'all, praise God. And all of heaven rejoiced. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Stay standing, stay standing. Don't sit down, don't sit down. For those of you that recommitted last Sunday, if you stood up last week and recommitted your life to Jesus, would you join those already standing right now? Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. I see you. Praise God. Praise God. That's huge. Today we are going to celebrate what God has done and is doing in each of your and our lives. So let me pray for those that have stood. Father, I thank you for the women, for the men, for the students that stood recognizing coming home to you. I ask for favor and blessing and protection upon their lives. The target on their back just got bigger, but no weapon formed against you may prosper. And so Jesus, protect them, open the floodgates to them, he's them, Pour out blessing that they can't hold enough of it because of your goodness and mercy. Overwhelm them, Jesus, with your spirit. Help them embrace you as spirit in the gifts you give them. Be bold through them, Jesus, as they are now gate crashers and kingdom changers. We love you. Use us boldly today and every day. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Praise God. See, we're all on a journey with God, right? All of us, every single one of us, a student, senior, and everything in between, all of us are are on a journey with God. You may be here today, you stumbled in or you got an invite today, you were like totally coerced. Uh, Will you please come to church, right? Like uh, the one time you came after they've been nagging you to come and they got you here because they told you there was going to be food trucks, right? Right? And that's cool, right? We'll do whatever we can to get you to the, to the feet of Jesus, okay? All right, so I don't know why maybe you came today. Maybe this isn't like where you come to church or maybe you don't go to church, but today you're here. We are all on a journey with God, even if we don't claim God. We're all on a journey with God. A journey of belief or disbelief. A journey of super righteous rule following or a journey of being lost, a journey of being confused or being hurt or being angry, a journey of wanting to give, to give up. I have. I wanted to give up just this week. Uh, you know, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. Uh, not, not about being a pastor, but to give up on other things. Uh, but maybe you uh, know what giving up is like. And, and, you, and you've gone to the point where you're ready to give everything up. I, I too, would raise my hands. We're all on a journey a journey of uh, maybe wanting clarity, <laughs> wanting to get better, or wanting breakthrough, or, or wanting to speed up, or wanting to slow down. Uh, you're, or you're on a journey of wondering, when will things get easier? You're on a journey of wondering, when will this guy stop talking? We got kids in here, and my kids are... Hey, I want you to know that praise God for all the kids in the room, Okay? <laughs> Like, oh my goodness, praise God for all the kids, right? What what an incredible, beautiful picture of a vibrant church that has a future. And I don't mean Whitewater, I mean the church. That there is a future generation saying, not on my watch, I will take over, I will be the next generation of Jesus followers. So today, let them run free, okay? Okay. Let them be wild, all right? Let, let the wild things be the wild things, okay? Like, seriously, parents, like, stop being so controlling, all right? I'm good with it. I'm a parent. I got kids. If your kids want to dance, let them dance. If they want to get up and, and run, let them run. You're not going to bother me, okay? I'll run with them. Take the tension out of the balloon of, like, what if the kids move around? What if the kids are distracting? That's what they're supposed to be, <sighs> Let them be, okay? You're not gonna, out of respect, if you're like, I just want the pastor to be respected in the house of the Lord, then respect me by letting your kids be kids, okay? Dang, I didn't, that, that wasn't in my notes, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon me. So I said it. I said it. We're all on a journey of learning what next step to take. What's the next step that we're all supposed to take together? We're all on a journey and my my ask is that as we go forward in life, not just on a Sunday that we're always looking like how can I come home to the father today? It's a daily picking up a cross and following him. It's a daily decision to come home to the father when there's so many other things that are beckoning us to come home or find our home in that. And, and most often, I'm gonna let you know, if it's not God, if it's not the father, it's not gonna end well. All right, so, so we're all on a journey. A journey that, uh, you know, to look less like the lost, right? That's the that's hope, right? A journey to look less lost and also a journey to look less like the frustrated found, right? You know how we can, we were found but now we're frustrated, you know? Uh, see, our, our goal on the journey is to look less like the lost and less like the fros- frustrated found and look more like the father every single day. That's the goal. How can I embody the Father with how I live and how I love to everyone in my sphere of influence? How can I look more like the Father? To have the posture of outstretched arms and like screaming, welcome home, come home with everything that I do. This posture is on full display in this story that we've been talking about this month. It's, it's in the Bible. It's Luke 15, I take nothing for granted. There's somebody in here today or listening online that, that they've never heard this story. So all, all of the, uh, the frustrated found that don't wanna hear Luke 15 again, too bad it's not about you, all right? It's for that one person who hasn't heard this story. So let me share this story about a father whose arms are stretched wide. This is Luke 15, verse one. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners. Has anybody in the room or online ever been a notorious sinner? A couple of honest people, thank you. Me too, me too. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners, they often came to listen to Jesus teach. Isn't that awesome? That Jesus's posture was one to welcome those that the world would push out, that he said come in. So uh, this made, that posture of outstretched arms an invitation, this posture made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that Jesus was associating with such sinful people. How dare him hang out with the sinners? That's weird. How dare him even eat with them? To illustrate this point further, Jesus is talking to the lost and he's talking to the frustrating found. Into that crowd, he says, let me tell you a story. He says, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, uh, that, hey, I want my money and my inheritance now. I want it now, right? Like that, that's what comes to my mind, right? I want it now. Um, it's my money, J.G. Wentworth, right? <laughs> I want it now. I watch too much TV, I guess. Uh, I want my share of your estate before you die. What, a, what an insult. What a slap in the face. And so what's crazy is that the father agreed, the scripture says. It says the father agreed and he gave him his inheritance right there. And then a few days later, the younger son, he packed up all his belongings and he moved to a distant land called, I don't know what, whatever your distant land would be, Vegas, Detroit. Barcelona, whatever your distant land is. They moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. Everybody say wild living. Yes, wild living. Who was living wild last night? Ain't nobody going to raise their hand. (laughs) We got one person. They were honest. Thank you. I see you. Praise God. (laughs) Living wild. I like that. I like that. I'd rather have a church of people that were living wild the night before but still knew they were welcome the next morning. All right? Praise God. (laughs) He said, wasted all his money in wild living. And about the time the money ran out, the money will always run out and you can't take it with you. So are you going to use well what the Father has given you in this life because you can't take it to the next? So there's that. About the time the money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and this young son began to starve. The the younger prodigal son, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and and the man sent him into the field to feed the pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. Understand how low the sun is, that, that the slop looked good, that he would break all Jewish tradition and custom and laws and rituals to even associate with pigs. That's how low the young son had fallen, Uh, but no one gave him anything. Uh, When he finally came to his senses, all of our teachers this month have been saying, is it time for you to come to your senses? All of us will have a moment where it's time to come to your senses, Stop finding a home and other things that aren't going to fulfill and come to your senses. Maybe today is a day for you to come to your senses. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, at home, I have a good father. That's what he's saying. At home, I have a good, good father. At home, there is a good, good father who has power, who provides, and who protects. I have a father at home. Even the hired servants are cared for. And they have food enough to spare. There's leftovers even for the hired servants. And here I am dying of hunger, the young son says. He says, I know I'm going to go home to my father, but because of how horrible I've been, this is what he's thinking to himself, I'm going to have to apologize to my father. I'm going to have to put this speech together, and hopefully my father will accept me after I've apologized for so much. So he has this speech running in his mind saying, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. You know, I'm no longer worthy. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. That's, that's his game plan. I, I, I'm no longer worthy to be a son, but I can be a slave, so I'm going to go home to the father. And so he returns home to his father. And scripture says that while he was still a long way off, Friends, somebody here today is still a long way off. They're still wrestling. They're still a prodigal. They're still so frustratedly found that they're either way, they're on the verge of walking away completely from the Father. And if you're listening, and I don't know why you're here, I just want to say, hey, welcome home. Welcome home, because if, if he loves the Son, even when he was still a long way off, he will love you even if you are a long way off. He says, welcome home. He says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Notice the father's posture. That while he was still a long way off, while they were still a prodigal, while they were still wild living, right? The father saw him coming and he took a stance of crossed arms and finger wagging and saying, how dare you waste my inheritance? I can't believe you made that mistake. Who are you to make a mistake like that? Oh wait, that's that's oh no heresy that's not at all what the father said the father the father's posture is while he was still a long way off he saw him coming which means that he was already looking for him he was filled with love and compassion and he didn't wait for the sun to get to him. He ran to the sun, <laughs> And he embraced him and he kissed him. And the young son, he didn't know what to do with that. <laughs> he didn't know what to do with that kind of love. And so the young son, just figuring he's got to apologize and he's got to get his act together, right? And so the son goes into like, my plan, my plan, right? His plan. So he kind of like, in the embrace, I can kind of see him going, wait, Father, all this like mushy love stuff, I don't know what to do with that. Like, um, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, right? Let me just give you my speech. I've sinned, I'm not worthy to be called your son and the father, he's not hearing it at all, right? Right? And he yells for his servant, and says, "Quick, quick, hurry up! It, like my, my son, he's come home, right? It, like like go go get a robe for him, right? That, that's what Scripture says." He says, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. His robe of righteousness will cover all of our mistakes. His robe of righteousness will will redeem us and restore us. He says, then get a ring for his finger. That's a signet ring. That's a family ring meaning everybody who sees that ring on your finger will see that you're a son of the king. You You are restored into your rightful place and inheritance of royalty. And then bring sandals to his feet that where there." was Once pain, there will now be comfort. This is the posture of the father. And he says, quick, go get that big old calf that we've been fattening. It's right outside the doors. Maybe we should go across and get it, right? If you know, there's cows right outside that door. Like, go get that big cow, the Cleves cow, if you guys know that story. Go get the cow and bring it in here, and we're gonna fatten it. We're gonna celebrate, right? Because we have to celebrate with a feast, with a party. Because this son of mine was dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost and now he was found. And so the party began. Praise God, right? The party began. But hold up, the story's not over. The scripture says, the story doesn't end right there. It says, the older brother, meanwhile, I love that word, meanwhile, The older brother, the frustratedly found, was in the fields working, slaving every day. uh, I got, sorry, I got too much going on uh, in my mind. Uh, When he returned home, he heard music and he heard dancing in the father's house. Ooh, music and dancing in the father's house? Hulk, and he starts to hawk out, right? How dare there be music and dancing? It literally says, like, he gets angry, right? A servant runs up to him thinking that the younger brother would be kind of happy that his brother is now back, right? And the young and the, the servant he says, like, your brother's back. Like your father, he killed that big fat cow, and, and we're celebrating because of his safe return. And the grumpy, frustrating, found brother was angry and prideful and stubborn and self-righteous and he wouldn't go in. Friends, please catch this posture of the father that even when we are stubborn, angry, self-righteous and prideful, the father still comes out to us. His father came out and begged him. He begs the older brothers and sisters, please, please get this. You could unleash heaven if older brothers and sisters would get this. He says, please, he begs him, come in, be with me, celebrate with me. But the older brother He said, All these years I have slaved for you, and never once have you done a single thing. Like you you never gave me a goat. I've done everything you told me to do, and all that time you never gave me a goat so I could celebrate with a friend. But here for this son of yours, you hear it? For this son of yours, you're gonna give him the fattened calf? When this son of yours comes back after spending all of your money on prostitutes, you're gonna celebrate? And again, look at the posture of the father. He's like, My dear son, my dear son, please get this. You've always stayed by me. And notice, even though he's indignant, even though he's disrespectful, even though he's lost his way, even though he's angry, he says, Everything I have is yours. He's still willing to lavishly give. But he's trying to help him, like, realize that we had to celebrate. Your son was dead. Dead. And now he's alive. He was lost, and now he is found. Friends, this story is the story in all of the Bible that shows us what God's grace looks like. That shows us what redemption looks like. That shows us the posture of the Father that we all are called to embody. It's three stories in one, right? The story of the prodigal son, the frustratingly found older brother, and the prodigal God. Jesus gives us these three stories and 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 I I would argue that the story of the prodigal son, the lost son, they're both lost, but the prodigal younger son, that it's there to remind us that there isn't a distance so great, so far away from the father that is greater than the father's love. You can't go far enough that he's not willing to go even further. This story is a gentle reminder to the already found that, friends, it's not about us. It's not about us. That Jesus came to this earth for who? For one, for the world. But, but his words, not mine, understand that. His words, he said, uh, the son of man, that's a name he gave himself, Jesus, I have come to seek and save the lost. See, the story of the older brother in Jesus' parable is here so we can long, truly long for a true older brother, a true older brother and sister that we can only find in Jesus. He is the true older brother that won't condemn a father for his extravagant love or condemn, condemn a younger sister or brother for their mistakes a true older brother who will take on the identity of the father and chase after the lost sons and daughters with everything I ha- we have in our schools and our communities and our backyards and around the world, wherever that may take us, that we will chase after them with the father's love. See, we don't need an older brother who is inconvenienced to go to the next town over or across the river or to the east side to bring us home. We need an older brother that would be willing to step down from heaven to chase after us. We don't need an older brother th- that you know would bring us back out of the inconvenience of their wallet. We need one that would c- bring us back home with the cost of their life. See, w- we... we we all have someone out there or maybe it's us that is still lost, broken and hurting. And I wonder how much would you spend? How much would you be willing to spend to bring that person back home? What would you spend to bring them home? See Webster's definition of the word prodigal is this, it's a recklessly spendthrift. To those who hold tightly to their cash, that would be very hard for you to hear. Recklessly spendthrift, right? But my friends, imagine a God who would be willing to spend it all for you. A God who would be willing to be recklessly spendthrift for the sake of getting his kids back home. So much so that he would send his own son at the cost of his life. He would spend his life so that you might come back home. So might, a hope, notice that he does that, that he gives so much, he's so recklessly spendthrift without the guarantee that you would accept the invitation. That's reckless. That's why he is a prodigal God. He is recklessly spendthrift in his love for us. A father that, that like, as, as a father, I can't get it like, I can't wrap my mind around it because friends, I, 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 trust me, I would not sacrifice Noah for any one of you. I wouldn't. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> so I, I can't wrap my mind around a father that would say, I'm going to let my son die for you. Recklessly spendthrift. That's the whole point of what Jesus is trying to show us in this story. That's the love of our Father to every single one of us. That's the lengths in which he would go to, 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 that he would pay to get us to come back home. He's trying to soften the heart. He's trying to pull back the curtain. He's trying to undo the wounds and the hurts of the past to to get you to have his heart But before we can have his heart, we've got to come back home. I want to wrap up with a story before we celebrate outside. I want to wrap up with a story that uh, I heard a few years ago. Um, It's a story that beautifully reflects the love of a prodigal God. I shared this story uh, with some of you youth uh, a couple years ago and, and one of the students came up to me and was like, oh my gosh, John, that story was amazing. And like, they're just crying because you know how uh, middle school students are. Um, and so it's true, I love you, I have one. Um, and so like they're like, John, that, that story was so amazing. Like, how come you haven't told that to all the adults? Like, they need to hear it. Well, out of the mouth of babes, you need to hear this. So. Um, So for the person that asked, I listen. So uh, I want to share this with you. It's a true story uh, about a family that lives about seven hours west of us. Um, Several years ago on a normal, uh, just a normal everyday uh, fall day in October, um, it's a small town of Richland, Missouri. Uh, There was an 11-year-old middle school boy uh, who uh, he hugged his mom and dad, and uh, he head out the door on his bike, Uh, to ride his bike to a friend's house, and that was the last time that Sean Hornbeck's family would see him. As Sean was riding his bike to his friend's house, he got hit by a truck. When the driver then got out of the car to, to apologize, instead of apologizing and offering help to Sean, the driver assaulted Sean and kidnapped him. This is an unfortunate thing that happens every day in America. And over the next four years for Sean, um, he would be held captive and he would undergo some of the ugliest physical and sexual abuse you can imagine. His kidnapper had brainwashed him to the point where Sean no longer even tried to escape. In his mind, Sean felt like that if he tried to escape or he tried to tell someone that he was abducted, he believed that his torture would just increase or he would be killed. And so for four years, Sean's parents, they spent their entire life savings, they quit their jobs to solely focus on finding a way for their son to come back home. And it became a nationwide search, and, and the story of Sean and, and, and his parents uh, was on every TV show broadcast all across America. Some of you that are my age and older, you may have saw this on TV. His parents they set up a website, you know, dedicated to finding Sean, and, and there was a place on the website where you could leave comments. One day Sean was able to, to gain access to a computer, and he found this website. And he left a, a message for his parents. And like he was too afraid to tell his parents that, one, it was Sean, and two, that he was still alive. Or, or, and he was too afraid to tell them that he was still being held captive or, or where he was being held captive. All he could muster up to, to ask his parents is, how long will you look for your son? Will you ever give up? And this search, it goes on for four years and, and the parents are like exhausted and emotionally drained and they're empty and, and, and doubt starts to take hold of the parents' hearts and they start to lose hope and they start to believe the thought that we're never gonna see our boy again. And well, one day, Sean's parents, they're driving on the highway and uh, the dad's cell phone, it rings and, and it's a call from the local prosecutor and, and, and the prosecutor asks like, hey, um, are you sitting down? And the dad is like, actually, I'm driving right now, and the prosecutor is like, you you should pull over. And so they pull the car over to the side of the road, and the prosecutor, he continues, and he says, I I believe that we have found Sean. The phone call that these parents have been waiting for for 1,460 days had finally come. And, and, and so the parents, they get the information of where they're gonna meet Sean, right? And and so the prosecutor tells them, go to the police station, and, and, and they go to the police station, and they're waiting, and, and and they're waiting to see their son, right? And a million thoughts are just racing through their mind, like, how is he, is he hurt? Is he okay? How has he changed? Like, they're hoping that nothing will happen to Sean between, like, transporting him to the police station, right? And so the police car pulls up. And out of the car emerges now a 15-year-old Sean. And the family just goes crazy, right? They, they like run to Sean, right? And the family wraps their arms around him and they this, in this incredible embrace and they literally start jumping up and down. And the father said in an interview that he wanted that embrace to never end. He said, I wish we could have lived in that hug for the rest of our lives. I know what that hug is like because I remember when my dad hugged me after so many years of being away and after the hell I went through and he hugged me and in my ear he said, we have our Johnny back. They wanted to stay in that embrace forever. (laughs) And the Hornbecks, they're reunited after four terrifying years. Filled with the worst pain and doubt, it was now all over because they got their Sean back. And I just want every single one of us to think about this story. I want us to think about. The Hornbeck family and all they had gone through and all they had lost and all they had spent for four years. The cost, the toll. And now I I want you to think about um, like that maybe if things ended differently. Right? Like, what if things ended differently? What if when the prosecutor called Sean's dad you know, and told him to pull over, right? And they pulled over and, and the prosecutor told you know, the dad, like, hey, we think we found Sean, but there's a problem. Okay? There's a problem. Unfortunately, it turns out that while Sean was being held captive, y- your son has turned into a kleptomaniac and he can't stop see- stealing. Okay? We just want you to know that. Okay? We want you to know before you're reunited, right? Now, do you think, do you think for one second that it's possible upon hearing that news that Sean's father would have said like, oh, well, uh, well, you tell Sean that he's not welcome home anymore, because we won't have any kleptomaniacs in my house. Or maybe, can you imagine, like maybe after hearing that news, like maybe the father would say like, well, you know what, well, you tell Sean that... Well, if he gets his act together, then maybe he can come home. Like, is is there any chance, like, do you think that Sean's parents would have responded like that after waiting four years for their son to come home? Is there anything, right? Like, like wondering if they're ever going to see their son again, wondering, like, is he still alive, just desperate for hope? Or, or what if, what if this, what if the prosecutor called them and said, I think we found Sean, but but over the last few years, he's been doing a lot of drugs. Or, or the prosecutor calls and says, I think we found Sean, but he's wrestling with his sexual identity. Or, I think we found Sean, but we think he's gotten someone pregnant. Or, I think we found Sean, but he's been sending a lot of inappropriate pictures on Snapchat. Or, I think we found Sean, but he's really depressed and he started cutting himself. Do you think that there is anything that they could have said to the father for them to say no we don't want him to come back home is there anything that would have stopped the father from saying what are you talking about well listen like we'll deal with that stuff later we'll we'll deal with that but not right now we just want our, our boy to come back home friends i don't know who this is for but i want you to know that there is nothing that can separate you from the father's love nothing and if you're a heavenly father like that's his posture i need you to know that and and I get it, there are some earthly fathers and earthly mothers that have not shown us that kind of love and shame on them and I will love them the best I can and the Father forgives them, but I want you to know your heavenly Father is waiting with outstretched arms saying, come home, come home, come home. There is nothing that can separate you. No depths, no heights. Nothing will separate you from the Father's love. It's just time to come back home. I had a a stopping point in my message, right? And then as I was writing, something else took over and I realized that um, someone needed to hear this today. And whether you are the younger son or daughter who has been lost and lonely and hurt and broken and you don't believe in any of the God stuff, but somehow you found your way here, I just wanna say welcome home. You are loved, and I will be one of the first ones to embrace you and show you love and say, hey, welcome home, you're loved. If you're a frustratingly found and you've been down a path of just going really far from the heart of the Father that we see in this story, I just want to say, welcome home. I'll be the first one to, 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 to embrace you and say, welcome home. It's time for us to show the love of the Father. He's desperate to wrap his arms around you, even if you're a long way off in either direction. Even if you are lost and hurting, even if you're a prodigal son or daughter, even if you're still like self-righteous and an older brother or sister, like even if, because if you're willing to start limping in his direction, he will run in yours. I know today, like this is where it hit me, like I know today is all about celebrating what God has already done, right? That that's what today was all about. We're gonna celebrate what God has already done and celebrating all that God has done through all the previous baptisms and all the previous recommitments. Like, but I'm wondering just like today, like is, some, is today someone's homecoming day? Is there someone here today that today is actually your day? The whole reason why we're actually gonna celebrate today with all the food trucks and the music and the prizes and the hoopla is actually for you to come home. That that's why we're actually gathering here today. And so listen, uh, older brothers and sisters in the room, If you have been struggling with your faith that you're already found, but you've been feeling complacent and you've drifted and you've gotten into an unhealthy routine, or or maybe pride or self-righteousness is starting to take root, or maybe you've been thinking for a while that, that what we do around here should be more about you and less about those not yet here. Listen, if this is you, and God is just kind of like really like massaging the heart today, and you want to recommit to the Father and get back to the love and life that he's called you to, today's your day. Welcome home. Like, if this is you, if you're an older brother or sister that has just been like, you know what, I, I, I need to look more like the Father who would recklessly go after the lost son and daughter, and I haven't been doing that well. If this is you and you want to recommit and get things back in alignment with the Father, would you stand right now? I see you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I see you. Praise God. Praise God. I see you. Praise God. We celebrate for you today. For those people that just stood up, we celebrate for you. I know how hard it is. All pride, all stuff has been weighing you down and trying to keep you in your seat, wondering what will everybody think if I stand? The judgment, that all the judgmental eyes that will be on me if I stand right now. I'm so proud of you for standing. That is so hard to stand. It shouldn't be, right? Right, family? It shouldn't be. But it's so hard. And so I stand with you. Me too. Me too. Maybe you're here today and you're uh, more like the prodigal son and daughter. Like you're. God's been, God's been tugging at your heart this whole service and you weren't quite sure why you're here today In food trucks and suddenly the thought of food trucks has gone away and there's something else that's been like, like kind of lifting in your chest and, and that's God like trying to get your attention. Like, will you come home to me? Like maybe you identify more with like the lost lonely son and daughter and you, you're here today and you've ever, never actually come home and, and accepted a father that loves you. You, you, you've never actually said, I, I choose Jesus and I choose to be baptized. Maybe that's, maybe that's you today. And, and if this is you today, then, then maybe your day is today to come home and to be baptized. Because um, here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna play a, a few more songs up here, all right? And, um, and, and if you actually want to come home to the Father and be baptized, then we're gonna do that during the songs right now, okay? And so um, I want everybody to stand, all right? I want everybody to stand, if you're able. And so we already removed that barrier, the barrier of standing. (laughs) And and so I I want you just to listen in. If you're standing already, maybe, maybe it's time to take off your shoes. Maybe if you've never made the decision to be baptized or, or, or maybe you were baptized before and it was for all the wrong reasons and you know it, like maybe today is your day to come home to the Father and, and we'll meet you in the water because there's the reality. Um, what are you waiting for? There's water, <laughs> right? What are you waiting for? It's time to come home. There is nothing in this world that will actually satisfy you like the love of the Father. If you make your home in him, he will make his home in you. If you're worried like about, well, I didn't come with like the right clothes. I can't get my clothes wet." We have clothes you can change into. We've got towels you can dry off. It's a beautiful sunny day outside. The sun will warm you up. Like you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to want to come home. Is your desire to come home stronger than your desire to stay being sick and tired? If you're worried about what others may think or other people's opinion, I would just say to you when it comes to one of the most important decisions that you will ever make in your life, whose opinion ultimately matters? See, because here's the deal, friends, one day we will all stand before our creator, a prodigal God, and he will ask us, what did you do with my son, Jesus? And this is the only answer that is going to matter. It, it, it won't come down to your grandma's faith and what your grandma did for you at a, at a ceremony when you were a baby. It, it won't come down to your grandma's faith. It won't come down to your aunt's faith or your papa's faith. It'll come down to your faith and your decision. What did you do with my son Jesus? It'll come down to your decision. So uh, during this next song, uh, we're going to play, and and there's going to be pictures of people who went in, uh, and they went baptized this past month, and they came home to the Father. and, and, And during this song, we just invite you to be one more, another person coming home to the Father. Is today your day to come home? So, Father, I ask that you move in a mighty way. Uh, this day is yours. It is not ours. And so we're going to get out of the way right now. That's what we're going to do. Uh, so, Father, if there is one person or 100 people that are, uh, today is their day to come home, uh, we're ready for this moment. So, Father, have your way. Today we celebrate. And all of heaven joins us. As lost sons and daughters, come back home to the Father. It's in your name that all God's people say, amen. Amen.